ain't gonna give up Got too little time, I'ma live up Head down, push forward through the tough times Cause anything we're doing is a tough climb. Hey there demons, it's us, your girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are two dream-having goblins. Two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. And today we are dream weavers and talking about... The magical, the wonderful, the sometimes terrifying and horrendous world of dreams, <laughs> and dream meanings, specifically. Yeah, we're following up from our, our last conversation, talking about dreams, some of the dreams that we've had, you know, and we, we hinted about what if we looked up what some of those dreams might mean while recording, and kind of having that, oh, look, this might mean this kind of conversation. And that's this episode. I kind of have a weird fear about that because <laughs> some of the dreams we disclosed in the first part of this series, if you will, already may be red flags or, you know, just full blown alarms <laughs> about some kind of deep underlying issue. And now it's going to be like, well, let's explore that issue more closely and put yourself on blast. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's fun, though. I think that your subconscious is such an interesting field that psychology is still looking into because it's so hard to study something Mm -hmm. that is basically words and pictures that happen in our brain. I mean, it's not like you can plug into someone's brain and then broadcast what is happening, which I think would kind of be cool in like a one-on-one situation (laughs) perhaps perhaps um i think my only fear having seen some of these movies where they go into the the psyche literally is the ethical considerations of that (laughs) and then emotional blackmail (laughs) subsequently from that session um but i'm finding if if we're using let's say sigmund freud's iceberg analogy right Uh uh-huh what is beneath the iceberg in my subconscious? Whole mama. <laughs> I'm like, do I even want to go there? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a couple of doors I'm sure I shut long ago that I do not wish to reopen. <laughs> yeah, with a padlock and, and everything chains. else. And yeah, a dragon yeah. guarding it. Like, it's a whole Boards. process. Yeah, absolutely. Only the finest. In security, in home security. (laughs) But I suppose we should kind of even talk about the historical significance about dreams and how they can even relate as being reflections of our waking lives by starting with the one, the only, the original papa of psychology. Oh, God. um, Who had, I don't know, I think he was obsessed with his mom, if I had to say your mom. (laughs) Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud, yeah. (laughs) He had some interesting concepts. I will give him that. And with some things, I don't think he was far off. I mean, even looking at today's society, sex and violence, sex sells, violence coupled with that, autoerotic in a way, (laughs) right? Like those erotic thrillers where there's like violence, like let's say basic instincts, Sharon Stone, People eat that shit up as a genre, right? Erotic thrillers. Yeah. So there's something to that. I can see that. Freud, for all of his wrongness. Yes, that's putting it mildly. 
<laughs> at least paved the way for people to prove him wrong. And what's so funny about him <laughs> is that he did not like to be contested with. That's oh, how absolutely. Carl Jung and so many of his other disciples broke away from him and, you know, built on his theories and refined them, which I could more align myself with the Jungian form of thinking, the model, mm-hmm. and less so with Freud when you expand upon it. Yeah. But, yeah, old Siggy, he had, he had some wild <laughs> Do you mind if I call you Siggy? <laughs> some <laughs> wild thoughts that boy did. <laughs> I would say the one thing that really did come from Freud that was good and had really good long-lasting effects was mm-hmm. the fact that he was the first person to say children are not just tiny adults. Like, no. children think differently, they experience the world differently, and that difference... You know, as they're growing, children are also growing mentally as well as physically. They don't just pop out the womb knowing algebra. Like, they need nurture Mm -hmm. and guidance to become good humans. And no one else – like, that was a novel concept at the time. People just thought that, okay, children think like adults. They're just in tiny bodies. But in reality, that's so far from the truth. (laughs) Which – you know, as someone who doesn't feel that maternal instinct toward other humans, or yeah. you know, and desire to have my own children, in my brain just screaming, <laughs> hearing that kind of tomfoolery, because it, it's totally aligned with the people that are like, babies don't feel pain, babies are not individuals. You have this little helpless thing who can't even support its big fat head, <laughs> who relies on you for everything, if... And you're like, yeah, tiny adults. I don't think, <laughs> you know, a tiny functioning adult would need you to change its diaper, to clean it, to feed it, and all of that. Right. I, already, that's flawed logic. Very flawed. I mean, this is also the time that children were working in factories because they could fit behind the big machines. I mean, there are pictures mm-hmm. of six-year-olds smoking cigarettes because that's just what you did in the factory. And Right. Freud came in and said, this is not okay. Like, this is, they mm. aren't adults. They don't know how to think and problem solve like we do. No, no. And we we certainly also want to be con- uh, cognizant of the fact that contextually in those times, the lifespans were different because the adversities that people face, the lack of safety considerations that people faced caused early deaths, caused sicknesses, not having the same understanding of germs and microbiomes and the conditions that contribute to illnesses that we could easily deal with today. Right. But um, on the whole, yeah, I mean, up until a certain age, you you are much more impulsive and lack this self-awareness, lack general awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at least kudos to Freud to highlighting that. But I, I still think he was kind of messed up in his own way. Perhaps oh, he should have not. consulted a, a, you know, psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Freud, Freud did many things wrong and had many wrong opinions and ideas on how yes. things worked. The one thing that he did do, though, was was showcase that there are developments. People grow mm-hmm. both mentally and physically. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in introducing Sigmund Freud, we also like to bring up that he 
centered a lot of his practice of psychoanalysis around dream interpretation in which Mm -hmm. the psychoanalyst sits behind the individual and listens to the individual recite their dreams and then interprets this. But again, within the schema and framework of the one determined by Freud, which you usually certained or uh, centered around penis envy. If you were a girl that you wanted, you know, to <laughs> compete with your mom and uh, essentially be with your father. Yeah, you wanted That's- to be your mom. Yes, exactly. And eventually the theory expanded, not by Freud's doing, but another disciple of Freud to include womb envy in which boys were envious that they did not have a womb and wanted to be closer to their mothers, thus resulting in the uh, Oedipus complex. We had the Electra and the Oedipus complexes, right? Mm -hmm. For each gender, respectfully. But that's dream interpretation. So a lot of it around sex and violence, and you didn't have a penis, therefore you're mad. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, to this day, memories and dreams. So with with memories, with your brain, it's so difficult also just to understand. Again, Mm -hmm. you can't broadcast your thoughts, you can't broadcast your ideas. And so the subconscious mind to this day is still a highly debated topic in the psych world. and Unexplored territory. Yeah, how we interpret, you know, dreams and interpret our surroundings and everyday life. It all just depends on previous experiences and past, you know, knowledge that you've gained. And, okay, this means this and this means this. And so everything is just up to individual bias. And I think that that is very important to start the episode off with. Yes. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know and you know what you know. And Mm. if you have a certain perception or schema of the world, then things will just be interpreted and remain within that schema. So with those caveats, Let's jump right in. What do you say? Let's jump in. I had I had a question. Do you want to go over maybe some like themes that people typically dream about? Or do you want to just dive into our own personalized little nuggets of hell? I think we can do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, perhaps maybe looking at some common themes. <laughs> I think more than anything, of course, people dream of who things or people that they can't necessarily have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they dream of things that they are afraid of, things that are unknown, such as yes. having that sense of helplessness that we discussed in part one, perhaps mm-hmm. death in its mm-hmm. different forms. And more than anything, just silly stuff that you're like, that came out of left field. I have no idea where that even came from. So one of the ones I was thinking of, I pulled up, I'll tell you now, it's dreamdictionary.org. Yeah, yeah, classic. And it, it lists some of the common dreams. And I've ex- I've experienced almost all of these, I'll admit. Uh-huh. The, so they have listed heights, so falling from heights or being up somewhere really high. Mm-hmm. Teeth, which I have had a couple of teeth dreams. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, gifts from the dead. So people who have passed over, old old friends, which I talked about in our last episode where I have dreams where I hang out with my old crew. Mm -hmm. This one, though, I don't think I've done ear, like your ear dreams. So ear, something with hearing maybe, or I don't know. I've never never had that. that. 
No. Uh, celebrities, celebrity dreams. Mm-hmm. Cell phone dreams, which we also kind of talked about last time of do cell phones even exist in your dreams? Because they don't really exist in mine. No, no, they don't in mine either. Uh, flowers, which... I've never had that. <laughs> never either. Flying, though. I've done a lot of flying dreams. Yeah, good old flapping of the arms. Like and then ring dreams, like with rings on your fingers. I've never had that. The first thought that came to mind was, like, the ring. <laughs> Seven days. <laughs> it's the ring, girl! No. <laughs> yeah, I can get... I told you how I would... Because of my long hair and stuff, I would crawl on the ground like the ring girl as a kid. <laughs> I, it's just reason 4,028 that I don't have children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I was going after my sibling, not anything else. So <laughs> do, do any of these peg you as I need to be talking about that first? You know, in preparation for this discussion, I was already thinking of the several dreams I had with losing teeth or feeling loose teeth in my mouth. Absolutely. Because culturally, at least from my framework, it was that losing teeth could be a sign of sickness, death. It was generally a bad omen, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember <laughs> distinctly, I had this dream where I was sitting in my childhood bedroom and I had like a little one of those little tabletop mirrors right on my desk. Right. And with my tongue, I could feel like, holy crap, my tooth is loose. Yeah. And I like just very lightly pinched it and it came out so easily. Oh, wow. And then another tooth. And you know those uh, for individuals who have multiple sections of teeth that are missing? So they have like this false gum line on it. Yeah. And that I had two or three teeth that came out like that with a gum line. Oh, and I wow. remember, like, all these teeth started just dropping out like dominoes after that, just one after the other. And oh, I was, wow. I think, very understandably terrified, just like, oh, my God, what's going on? What's going on? And the helplessness of, I can't do anything to stop this. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> my mom coming in, in in my room in the dream and I'm holding up these teeth like, mom, I don't know. You know, there's like blood coming out of my mouth. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, put your teeth back in your mouth and get it together. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is, this is crazy that you're saying that. So I'm, I'm on the yeah. teeth page and I'm pulling up teeth falling out in dreams. And I just uh -huh. want to cut in because I think this is going <laughs> to. <laughs> it's gonna rage you for filth, my dear. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> Connecting things falling apart in your life, whether it be your relationships or loss of people who are once close to you, investigating how you speak if you're not true to yourself, clues in the dream are the people who were around you, location, or if you were looking in the mirror, hinting at self-reflection. So it looks, content. <laughs> it looks like it suggests an inability to hold things together in your life or fears and anxieties that you're battling with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for the time, it's certainly very accurate. But I remember telling my mom the following morning about the dream and the fact that she had no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, put your teeth back in your mouth. Get so it together, healthy. Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just so shocked. But she also then just thought it was so funny. Um, which, like, I did too, but in the moment, in the dream, I was like, what do you mean put it back in my gum line and get it together? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but 
you know, I, I've had two or three of those kinds of dreams where it was either all of my teeth falling out or one or two. But just, again, the fact that they were already so loose and on the precipice of falling out, if it was a few teeth, as opposed to my all my whole collection of biters. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I, I don't know. So teeth, at least in my culture, not a good thing. And that interpretation is very nail meat hammer. How about yeah. you? I've I've had dreams as well where my teeth fall out and it's less lead up of like, oh, my teeth are feeling loose. I'm worried about it. But just I'll be talking and all of a sudden they're in my hands. Like all of them just fall out of my mouth all at once. Damn. And so, you know, going scrolling down further on this, a lot of these theories, they focus on communication, loss of communication or the ability of making relations with one another and that makes sense because like communication you need your teeth to talk they they no, are you don't you need <laughs> your tongue to talk you don't need your teeth that's true uh but having teeth can help <laughs> certainly but i would be more concerned if my tongue was missing <laughs> that's fair that's fair but just having that reflection on my teeth are falling out, and so I now can't communicate as well as I could if I had them situation. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. also, relatable content. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, it's helpless, it's anxiety-inducing, it's confusing. There's so many things, I think, in that moment. Because the fact that years fell out all at once, it was just like, teeth. Yeah. No more, don't know her. <laughs> and mine was just one by one, you know, and yeah, it is also the aesthetic piece, right? Because mm-hmm. smiles, it's a way that we, you know, greet the world. And certainly if you don't have confidence in your appearance and your smile, then mm-hmm. you are most likely more likely to shy away and, you know, cover your mouth when laughing, smiling. Yeah. I mean, that was the main reason I had braces a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. I'm I'm so far into my 20s, but I've always been super self-conscious about my teeth. My teeth were very crooked. Mm-hmm. And I loved your teeth. I thought they were adorable. Thank you. I, I had a lot of self-conscious feelings about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my teeth are still there. They're just not overlapping. And to me, it also makes it easier just to, like, eat and all this other fun stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, certainly. But I want to ask, from that list as well, are there any that also jumped out to you as being prominent in your dream repertoire? Oh, yeah. To me, it's the flying one. Mm, tell us more about it. So, let me let me just see here. So, I, I talked a lot last time about lucid dreaming and how mm-hmm. there are times where I know that I'm dreaming but I, again, flap my arms really hard. It's like, no, if I believe enough, I will start flying. Yes. And so it says it's not uncommon for people to practice the art of lucid dreaming just to experience the amazing rush of flying. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, this is not actually necessary for a dream to be described as lucid. It has long intrigued scientists as it incorporates self-awareness and control. That's all lucid dreaming is, is being aware that you are dreaming And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, being aware that that means you can do anything. Yes. Yeah. It looks like there seems to be a connection between flying and spiritual ascension. Okay. I can see that. 
the process of spiritual awakening that moves you into a higher frequency. <laughs> this one, though, is very true. So it's this one is so I've I've had the ability to fly, but then sometimes it's really difficult to keep flying. Yes, yes, more concentrated effort. Right, and it says, struggling to fly can be a frustrating experience as you might only get a couple seconds in the air. These Mm -hmm. dreams are symbolic that suggest something might be holding you back from advancing in the next stage of your life. Yes, yeah, I think tacking onto that is that flight to me represents freedom. Yeah. Because you can literally go wherever you want And you're seeing everything for what it is. The bird's eye view is a more comprehensive view. So being stuck to the earth is very like one perspective of things from down here as opposed to up there. Yeah. So I could see how it ties into both, you know, a a more spiritual ascension aspect as well as feeling bogged down by things physically. Yeah, it actually this breaks it down to know it's important to know what direction you are going when you're flying. So mm-hmm. flying upwards, again, is the new level spiritually. If you're flying downwards, we are trying to get more attuned to our unconscious. Hmm. If Interesting. You're flying, yeah. If you're flying low to the ground, it represents strength and determination in your life. If you're flying backwards, which I have never experienced, uh, it suggests mm-hmm. you want to relive the past and the good memories you have experienced. Hmm. Flying over water brings your awareness to concurring your emotions. Flying over mountains connects you with the spiritual side. These are both positive dream symbols. Flying over cities, buildings, and houses are common lucid type dreams. Having the dreamer feel as though they are Superman. It could suggest control over your mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. And then dreams of flying like a bird. So flapping your arms... Mm-hmm. Brings your focus on your own personal freedom as well as being free-spirited. Yeah, I've had dreams where I'm already in the air and not having to flap my arms, but I've also had those where I need to, at interval, flap my arms. Yeah. You th- you've had the same experience? Yeah, I've had, I've had some where I just, like, jump off of a, a high, you know, place and I'm just kind yeah. of soaring and mm-hmm. I don't have to try but then there are other times where it's like, I know that I can fly. I've just forgotten how. And so then comes mm. the arm flapping uh, yeah. and just trying really hard. <laughs> like a little fledgling. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like that you brought up things such as water and water being very reflective of emotions. Um, for those interested in the tarot, the cups... Mm. you know is like tied to the water to the emotion aspect so yeah and symbolically in and of itself water whether you're it's still water whether the water is like a tempest and you know very raging because water as nurturing as it is it could also be a very destructive force yes that can't really be controlled because it's so vast and 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 varied you know in its forms Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're submerged under the water and what happens from there. But I I, I think you can do such a deep dive with with water (laughs) and what that is, you know, literally the deep dive. Yeah, that's 
I, I would, I would say like, you know, if you're, if the waters are in your dream are kind of calm, then like if the flying says you're, you've got it under control, you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but you know, choppy waters or, or a storm brewing over the ocean. I mean, that's mm-hmm. so reflective of an internal world. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've had various dreams over the the decades with water in these different places where at one point it can be very still and calm and within seconds it's just dark and, you know, dreary and the water is intense. And at times in those moments, I'm afraid. And then other times I'm not, even if the water is so bad. And I'm like, I know I can die any moment. I know I don't Mm -hmm. physically stand a chance of surviving these kinds of waters, but yet don't feel afraid. Yeah. So I don't know if that also shows maybe some kind of sense of confidence in myself. Over the years, I've had dreams where, as we talked about in the first part, where we're trying to fight something and we can't because then our punch feels like mush and it moves really slowly but then in more recent years i've had dreams where i do fight back yeah and i know over time as i've gotten older i've become more confident in myself and in taking up space both physically and you know i guess in the dream world so that that makes me feel good how about you i honestly don't dream a lot about water and Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know. It's So I looked up water, because obviously water is going to be another big word here. Yes. And so water dreams, not wet dreams, different thing, can be... <laughs> Important distinction. <laughs> can be considered the universal symbol of the unconscious mind of what lies below the surface. This powerful mm-hmm. symbol, yet very common dream symbol, encourages you to explore the unknown depths of your emotional state of mind. So... Let's see. Below the surface represents the reservoir of our feelings, thoughts, and urges, and memories that are Mm -hmm. outside of our conscious awareness. The tip of the iceberg, however, is small in comparison to the entirety of the iceberg below. Bringing it back to Freud. It's very true. Very true. What's beneath is typically larger and more scary than what's on the surface. Mm Mm-hmm. So it says emotions are constantly changing in part because feelings change just like water. It will endlessly change depending on your emotional well-being. Common water dreams are of a house like a leaking roof or being flooded, swimming, dirty water, the ocean, and then Mm -hmm. water and fire together. Oh, I've never had that kind of thing. Do any of the other ones kind of sound more common? So leaking, swimming, dirty water, or the ocean? Um, definitely the ocean. Uh, I I think definitely in situations where perhaps it's more flooding, like there's suddenly all this water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water itself can be in various states of either being calm or not. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's important to note the quality of the water. Because what I find so interested in, it, for listeners who have been around a while, they know my interest in Eastern philosophy and Particularly, there's a lot of um, analogies made to being like water, you know, moving like water, the flow of water, how even the steadfastness of water can wear down stones and other obstacles over time. But also, when the mind is clouded, it's literally like an active ripple in the water. Your vision is clouded. You can't see to the surface. But when there's stillness once more, you can see to the bottom of the water. Yeah. 
So um, I, I really appreciate that as well about the appearance of it. Yeah, it looks like so there are floods and rain dreams. Floods mm-hmm. are displayed as a metaphor. The concept of flooding can be associated with large amounts of feelings and emotions that cover a wide area. Mm-hmm. The uncontrollable force has the power to destroy cities, towns, and houses, depending on the location, helps determine where the threat arises. Houses are the main focus that implies the mind or psyche. The floods mimic aspects of your life that are out of control, dangerous, and overwhelming. Totally. Yeah, totally. Just like you can be flooded with feelings, and we have therapeutic techniques called actually flooding. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I really like this one. The next one that they talk about are lakes. And it says the symbol of the feminine, usually associated with magic fairy, magical fairy tales, monsters, dragons, and mystical power. This can also be the place where there is a death and rebirth, a transitional stage in your life, linked into the unconscious creative aspects of your personality, as well as the mirror of self-reflection. Yeah, I think of like wishing wells and the lady of the lake. Yeah. Have you had lake dreams? Lake-based dreams? <sighs> No, not really. Like I said, I don't have a lot of water dreams. I feel like I have a very vague memory of a dream. You know what? I do have water dreams. I have water dreams where I can breathe underwater. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up, see if that's like its own thing, because it's not here on this one. Yeah, I, I think it is. I've I've had a few and there is a sense of wonder in being able to breathe underwater. Like at first you may be afraid because you're like, oh God, I'm going to suffocate. But when you let go and you're actually able to breathe and live under that, it's pretty cool. Okay. There is nothing on that website, but I'm going to say breathe underwater dreams. Okay. So a dream about breathing underwater could mean that you've got your emotions under control. Mm-hmm. Breathing underwater means that you're able to navigate and handle intense and complex emotions without panicking. Many people who are unable to cope with negative emotions, such as anxiety and stress, have dreams like this. Well, think about it. When you when you feel overwhelmed, sometimes physically, like let's say people who have panic attacks and so forth, they literally feel like they're dying, like they can't breathe, yeah. can't catch the breath. When you're breathing underwater, you're letting go. You're in this situation already, and you're under the surface of something, which symbolically is also something, and you are able to manage that perfectly well. Yeah, I pulled up another website, and this one says you're choosing to confront something negative in your life, and Mm -hmm. I think that that can apply a lot to me in the sense of whenever I'm breathing underwater, there's always a half beat where I go, I'm underwater, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to risk taking in this giant gulp of air mm-hmm. and know that it's a risk, but also know that I'm going to be fine, even though I, there's all of the evidence in the real world to suggest that this is not going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the narrator voice and everything was not fine. But it is. It ends up being okay. And mm-hmm. it's it's a very odd moment of fear. And yet yes. accepting it. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think just trust. Trust the process. Trust your situation. Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, you had brought up houses earlier as, you know, being involved in water dreams, but in dreams in general. Have you had dreams 
in which you were, let's say, in a childhood house, a dream that, uh, in a house that you had lived, apartment, some kind of housing, or you know in the dream it's your house, but it's nowhere you lived before. Yes. I I know I talked about in our last episode that I go to my grandparents' house a lot in my dreams as a safe zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've I've had dreams where they take place and I'm jumping from place to place to place. Mm-hmm. And, but it ends up in like a childhood home or my grandparents' home or what have you. I don't really have any recollection of dreams where a house like sits in the distance and it has a meaning. Got it. Okay. Typically, I'm I'm running or I'm fighting or I'm just chilling in a mm-hmm. safe location. But so yeah, yeah I have had dreams uh, that take place in houses, and I'm I'm pulling up dreams to see. Okay, so this one an area. So this one is living rooms. That's where they typically take place in my dreams. Is I'll be in the living room. Okay. And it's an area where you relax, entertain, interact socially with friends. Uh, with people, friends, and siblings, the living room in your dreams brings your attention to your personal space and your emotional and mental well-being. In this area, it's shaped as a version of yourself. How it looks and what is happening gives you a clue. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, homes in general, it's supposed to be your safe space, your oasis away from everyday things. Mm-hmm. You know, not only physically protecting you, but it should be a place where you could relax emotionally. Yeah. I, (laughs) so another thing that I talked about a lot in our last episode is the ability to not find a bathroom. (laughs) Don't tell me your dream house has no bathroom. So, I mean, I, again, it's like if I'm looking for a bathroom and I'm outside and I'm trying to find a building that has one, or I'm in a building, I have no idea what I'm in, but I know I need to find the bathroom. Yeah. So I'll look up maybe specifics on needing to use the bathroom, but right now a bathroom dream meaning toilets and showers are synonymous with releasing, letting go, and cleansing. The inner yeah. the inner energy that needs renewal or negative energies that are pent up are symbols of the bathroom. In many cases, we dream of clogged toilets or dirty bathrooms as an indication that these unconscious energies need to be cleansed. It says bathrooms and dreams are often connected to the root chakra responsible for stability, safety, strength, and commitment, and is responsible for self-preservation and feeling grounded. You know what? Freud right now would be saying, <laughs> hold my beer, because the anal, <laughs> anal retentive and the uh-huh. anal expulsive. Yes. <laughs> True. But yeah, that's that's another one. Where do your dreams typically take place? Because it breaks it down by room of a house. <laughs> yes, and you know what? Most of mine, it's very vague. I remember sometimes it also was in a living room, but very generally, I'm like, I know this is my childhood home or whatever place I'm living in. Mm-hmm. But then there were also times when I know this is like, my house or you know whatever that house looks like but it's nowhere i've been before and then sometimes there's the feeling of someone wants to get in my house or someone or something is already in the house and okay it's kind of like the woman that lived in the basement that Mm -hmm. you're alone but you're not alone and the feeling of 
I can't be safe in this space. I can't be fully relaxed because there's something hidden here or mm-hmm. it's not fully my own. And sometimes the force is more of like a feeling, you know, it's this invisible, non-tangible thing. And the other times it is like, oh my goodness, there's actually someone or something here. And that yeah. something can sometimes be in the form of a creature or some kind of monster. Because yeah. I've had dreams like that before where it's empty. The space is literally empty. And the only thing or inhabitants in the space are me and this thing. Yeah. And then at times I was afraid and at times I wasn't, which was also interesting to me because I remember this one dream vividly. It was an empty house, very whitewashed looking house. Like, you know, when people do those uh, whitewashed stains yeah, for like a rustic look, it was very much that. And there was all these windows with light coming in. So it was very bright and cheerful and inviting by, you know, all sense of the word. Mm-hmm. But then I remember there would be this thing and it was very troubled. It was this dark mass and it looked so unhealthy and it was walking around mm-hmm. and I noticed it. I think it had a sense of awareness that I was there, but it never did anything to me. So I've got two common house dreams that might reflect that. that. So yeah, just like the it. common ones. So this one is a haunted house in depth analysis. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. So aspects of your life that are coming back to haunt you. These are behaviors, memories, and unsettled past experiences that are not settled. As if no, a don't ghost- I know it. <laughs> <laughs> As if a ghost needs to settle or see the light, it would apply in the same manner. This issue might be out of scope of your consciousness and remains hidden or out of mind, unconscious or unknown. Recurring mm-hmm. dreams become more vivid when the issues become ignored. I am the spirit haunting my own house. (laughs) That is me. And then this one is an unfinished house, which is exactly kind of what you're talking about. It's just you add a creature inside of it. Yeah. It says aspects of your mind that are left unattended. Metaphoric compartments made up of ideas, growth, progress that is not complete. These dreams want you to explore these areas in your life and build them up so you will be more of a complete individual. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wouldn't doubt that much either to be honest (laughs) so it's kind of interesting where houses are so like how we talked about water and water is more of an emotional state kind of reflection or Mm -hmm. teeth are more about communication a house is very much reflective of who you are and where you're at yeah so i find that really interesting it's like your house is literally your home and your home when it comes to, you know, a person or a soul would, I would assume be your, your psyche. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, what's so interesting in the anime bleach because each of the swords had a living spirit to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you find out that each person in their internal soul, their internal psyche they resided in community with that spirit of the swords. Okay. And that that was very much reflective of who they were as people. It was very, what was on the outside, very reflective of what's on the inside very often. Because the spirits were also reminiscent of the person's character. So let's say if the um, (laughs) person was like hoity-toity, their 
spirit might have been put together, but they were also kind of a brat at times, for instance. (laughs) So there was more than meets the eye on that. But I just thought that was very interesting because I think in many cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, the home is not just the home. Right. This is really interesting. So I looked up dreaming of monsters Uh And it says a monster can appear in a dream as a representation of your power and how you may find this power frightening. Dream Hmm. images can take on a shadow form because we are unwilling to face something difficult or painful. It's like the lady in the basement for me. I feel like this is one big therapy session. (laughs) And you are the therapist facilitating this, but it's like the lady in the basement. I remember when it came to the quote unquote confrontation yeah. I was no longer afraid of her. I was accepting her. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, How about you? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, I love I love that, you know, how it's your power. And that, you know, that makes a lot of sense, at least for me, having my own therapy session here, where I've had so many nightmares as a kid of fighting against something or some monster coming mm-hmm. to attack me. And I'm I'm terrified of it. And they're... They are not small monsters. They are big monsters. And Mm -hmm. when I look back and think about how I was as a kid and and the environments that I grew up in, I was very much a quiet person or – and people who know me that listen to this like, no, you weren't. Well (laughs) – Externally. I I was a very mindful child in the sense of everything I did had – a reaction had a consequence, whether it was a good consequence or a bad consequence. Mm -hmm. I was very aware that everything I did was going to have an outcome. Yes. It was not just a, I'm a kid, so I'm going to go throw darts at the wall and it'll be fine. No, it was, I was very aware of if I do this, someone will, you know, will either do something or say something. And how can I best then, either just not put myself in those situations or how do I make sure that the situation will have a good outcome for me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was not a manipulation tactic. It was absolutely more of a survival tactic. Yeah. Yeah. You adjust your behavior according to the situation. And so I was very, you know, I I mean, I guess afraid of my own voice or afraid of my own power, because it's like, if it's Mm -hmm. not what other people want, then I'm, I don't want it either. And yes, it took a lot of growth and leaving certain environments to understand. No, that's, that's not how it is. And, you know, I have not had a monster nightmare in a very long time. And I think part of it is just because I, I accept who I am as a person and I accept my own voice and power and, Mm-hmm. There are no, there are demons, but there are no demons in me of I'm afraid of myself. Yes, yeah. Showing love, care, and even uh, an unconditional love and acceptance to the parts that we initially may be ashamed of, maybe don't understand. And just knowing that's another part of me, it's not all of me, mm-hmm. and the end all be all, but, you know, let's coexist in this meat suit (laughs) together (laughs) you know yeah Um, yeah and i i think monsters and dreams demons and dreams any of the spooky things the strange dark and mysterious it's very reminiscent of of fears of transference of perhaps 
people situations that manifest in these ways where we feel helpless, trapped, and generally overwhelmed. And sometimes could be a very good kind of nudge, like, you got to deal with this. This is kind of like the monster on your shoulder. We're following you around. Yeah, it's very much, I mean, if your dreams really are your subconscious coming to give you these messages of there's Mm -hmm. an internal issue that is holding you back externally, then yeah, I totally, I I am in the camp that dreams are meant to teach you something or or meant Mm -hmm. to show you what to do next. I'm not saying full premonition, like, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But, you know, if you are constantly dreaming of a monster, maybe it is that there's something that I I need to work through myself. Or if you're mm-hmm. dreaming of of water or storms, you know, clearly there's a tempest inside of you. And what is it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that it could it, – your dreams give you clues to what's happening and how to better yourself. Yes, yeah. And I think certain things you can take with a grain of salt. Right. Um, but other times, yeah, like you're saying – it is a very much a snapshot mm-hmm. of the internal unconscious self, the little iceberg self. Yeah. Yeah, what is your iceberg? How do you deal with that? <laughs> and just how big is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. The size of a continent, mama. <laughs> but I I think that's so interesting. I really do. What's What's another aspect to dreams that let's say recurring dreams okay because i think that's a really big one for people have you had recurring dreams what do you think that meant for you at the context of that time that you were having them and have you resolved that so i have not i don't have memory of recurring dreams i don't have memory of dreams that build on each other Mm-hmm. Again, I've had dreams that kind of had like similar themes, but nothing that really points to I've had this dream before. Got it. But it says here, looking it up, recurring dreams are likelier to be around very or about very profound life experiences. Uh, a recurring dream is a specific dream narrative that repeats itself over multiple nights. This type of dream often features negative themes and might be linked to frustration and anxiety in waking life. It says at least six in ten adults report having recurring dreams. So you are in the majority. Mm -hmm. I am in the minority here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I'll be honest with you. My recurring dreams is more, yeah, continuation, like a linear path, as opposed to the same dream multiple times. Right. Let's see here. Seems like with recurring dreams, a lot of it is tied to anxiety or PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um feeling stuck yeah well and a lot of them are it's like for adults recurring dreams may involve being uh may may involve subjects such as being attacked or chased falling being frozen with fear being late being locked up failing an exam being inappropriately dressed or being smothered check out part one for all that and more (laughs) (laughs) yeah so maybe maybe it is uh i mean we both have talked about our fights with anxiety in general Yes, yeah. So it could just be a high emotional state causes you to have the same dream or the same theme of a dream over and over again. Yeah, just in different ways, for sure. (laughs) Anxiety will do that. (laughs) Um, What about death? I think death is such an interesting concept because death 
is something that people associate very much with the end of the physical self. But I think death, especially when you look at things like tarot, for instance, it could just mean the end of something, the end of a cycle, that you're ending something that could potentially be bad for you, opening up the space for growth and something that could actually be positive to your life and to yourself. Have you ever had dreams of a physical, spiritual death of people who have passed on maybe that you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to who are maybe even visiting you in this world. Yeah, I've had I've had people who've passed on visit me in dreams. I've had dreams where I've been falling to my death mm-hmm. and I remember having this one dream because I had learned a fact that day or I mean I leave fact very loosely said, right? Of when you're falling to your death or you're about to die, you wake up right before impact. And the reason mm-hmm. is because your body doesn't know what impact feels like. It doesn't mm-hmm. know what death actually feels like. But I have, I think another theme I want to look up also is like, I've gotten, I've, maybe this is just because I'm an American, um, but I have <laughs> dreamed of being shot before. Oh, on, okay. On multiple occasions. I've never been shot before in my life. Uh, like with a gun, you're With a shot. gun, yeah. Okay. With a full gun being shot and like feeling the bullet pierce through me and feeling the burning, but not feeling the pain because again, I have not been shot before in my life. I don't know where it's coming yeah. from. Uh-huh. Um, what does I, a gun mean in dreams? I would be curious to know. Let me look that up. I was just going to say like the death in dreams is about new beginnings or painful endings and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. You look up guns or being shot. I'm trying to stay on like the same website, but it's not working out. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they wouldn't have an entry for gun to be honest. Um, okay. So to dream of a gun represents a serious decision with canceling power choices to stop or ruin something with a single action Choices hmm. made by you or for you with powerful consequences. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if your aim is intentional, right, th- then it's often the choice to end something, destroy something. Yeah. This says to dream of being shot with a gun represents a decision that has failed you or embarrassed you. Feeling that someone has chosen to be too serious with choosing to make you lose It may also reflect someone else that you feel is intentionally making the decision to fail you, embarrass you, or get back at you. Do you feel in that dream that you were shot that that felt the, that matched the context? I think so. Um, So let me see. Uh, Yeah, people or situations that insist that you lose feelings about a choice you've made being the stupidest choice you ever made in your life. Hmm. And confrontation with people who choose losing for you. And you know, there's there's a lot happening in America with women in, in particular and choices being taken from you and feeling that it's not fair and that the choice is being made for you when it shouldn't be made for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I've also had times in life where I've felt that people were choosing for me to lose or not supporting me in something. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, that's what it is. It's less of a, 
it, it's like it, like we've said, it's all a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor. The gun is a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I I would also be even curious diving even deeper if you remember where you were shot. Because, you know, certain parts of the body also hold a lot of symbolism, like my nail in the head dream. I can tell you that at least the the couple that I can remember, I've always been shot in the chest. Oh, so it's like a very intentional, like, you're gonna die. Very intentional. It's it's been through the chest, and it's like, again, I'm not dying because I'm in a dream, but just like... It's very similar to like a panic attack when you feel like you can't breathe and you're starting to burn. And it's like, that's the kind of feeling that my dream starts to mimic is a panic attack, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So oh, that's very interesting. That's very heavy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, again, it's the dream world is a place where you are not mentally in a state to restrain yourself. Yeah. And therefore, you know... It's kind of like the volcano, the pressurized volcano that we talk about. You can only get so much pressure before all that has to go somewhere. Yeah. And perhaps the only safe space that to explore that, whether you wanted to or not, was in the context of that dream that it's like, hello, wake up, <laughs> Chrissy, wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's very, I, I can see that of, you know, in your dream, especially when you don't realize you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, your brain takes over and it's like, listen, bitch, you're going to learn this one way or another. <laughs> yeah. So sit down, shut up, buckle up and enjoy or not enjoy the ride. Yeah, I really don't care. <laughs> but I, I think even uh, with my the other half of my question about seeing those who are no longer on the physical plane and depending on where your beliefs lie, whether you're open to the possibility or a full skeptic about the existence of the afterlife, what happens to the soul, blah, blah, blah. I, like you, two times have ever had the experience of seeing people who have passed away suddenly mm-hmm. and having that opportunity to say goodbye to them um, shortly following their deaths. It, but I think, again, it's like the, when they say that certain times of the day is more likely that the veil is thinner, certain times of the year, particularly in fall, where the veil between the living, the world of the living and the li- world of the dead is yeah. more likely to be thinner and overlap. But I could argue that that world constantly exists around us, mm-hmm. both physically and spiritually, if you are just open to the possibility I think that's always there, but certainly when you're asleep at night and you're not thinking, you're not stuck in the monkey brain, <laughs> that it's like, finally, I can talk to this dumb bitch. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think death is such a big, I mean, we've had episodes already kind of talking about death and we've had yes. the existential crisis episode, but talking about it in dreams, I think honestly could be its whole own episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and going through because it's like yeah dying in dreams or being shot in dreams or falling or just having others who have crossed over coming back and talking to you i think it's all such a really that's a deep dive i think that we could do for its its own thing yes part three part three dreams part three <laughs> yeah the the spiritual death <laughs> no i think i think we've We've got a really good start here on on dream analysis. And, you know, if people want us to keep talking about it, this is something I'm super interested in. And I would be happy to keep reading and, and discussing. 
with you yeah. and with our our listeners. Absolutely. I think part four is anime and dreams because, you know, we had to go there. <laughs> you don't have to call me out like this. <laughs> just, Jenna, just the, the little uh, asterisks at the bottom, little <laughs> just nudge. Oh, well, I think I think I'm going to to cut us off here because otherwise we will we will never end oh, this true. talk. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> So with with that being said, thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe, and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are awesome and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Sweet dreams, everyone. You know I'm gon' feed him if you're coming for me.